0: Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. For
1: several sermons just recently, we, uh, we dealt with the subjects of the Beatitudes and preparing those sermons rather head down and through other portions of the Sermon on the Mount, and I thought I cannot leave the series of the Beatitudes without speaking concerning what the Lord says to us in these four verses. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? Our Father, we're in your house this morning as your children to worship, and we pray to serve you. We ask that you would open all of our hearts and all of our minds, that we would hear your word in a very personal way. If there is a person here this morning that is not a Christian, may there be something said or done that will turn their heart to be. If there is a person here this morning with burdens and troubles in their personal lives, we pray that you would speak to them. For those, our fathers who are out of fellowship with thee in any way, with the same Spirit, also speak. And even though some of us are strangers to each other, yet we are your children and we are in a common fellowship here to serve and to, to praise your name. Mind us together in the power of our spirit for this very purpose. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm titling the message this morning, Christian Influence. Christian Influence. I think if you think quickly over the verses that I've read, that Jesus telling us that we're the salt of the earth, we're the light of the world you can quickly see that the word Christian influence certainly applies to our lives. For it is, I believe, the function of every believer to be an influence for Jesus Christ in the lives of every person with whom we come in contact. I think there's no question, but that is the utmost and primary purpose as the Christian is to influence others for Christ. Those of you who remember Greek mythology from your high school or college days will recall, maybe, one of those myths was that there was a goddess who wherever she went, she left behind her a blessing. There was another goddess But wherever she went, she left behind her poison and death. But they both influenced. The question that always goes through my mind when I preach a funeral is can I find something in this person's life that I can say to his family and to his friends in fact and in all truth this world is a better place for this person having been here. And it is a terrible day when I sometimes come to that point when I honestly, and I don't believe in saying anything dishonest from the pulpit and certainly not in the funeral, but I cannot honestly find anything that I could say that would indicate that this world is a better place for this individual having been here. For sometimes this world is a worse place for this person having been here. And it's a sad testimony when we come to a funeral and even the family is relieved because he's gone. For he did nothing but like the Greek goddess leave behind poison and death wherever he went. There would be few, I suppose, who would fall into that category, but certainly there, they are there. But we who are Christian ought to be like the goddess who left behind nothing but blessing and good. And the world would in fact be a better place for our having passed through it. Remember how often times you think about it? But we influence each other. And you cannot help this morning from being influenced by the people of this congregation. I am influenced by you, and you are influenced by me in some way or other. We are what others make of us, the influence that is extended into our lives. So I suppose the bottom line, the bottom thesis that we are, think about this morning, is what is the influence of my life, upon my family, upon my church, upon the people with whom I work, and upon the population of the community in general. Are they better off for my having passed through their midst? Back in the 1800s, There was a lot of preaching and teaching that we were just about to embark upon the golden age we had arrived. The world was getting better and better. I can recall in my early years there were a few leftovers of that kind of preaching, but I don't hear it anymore. It is a subject that has died away because we have come to recognize That the world is not getting better. There's something wrong with it. And it's getting worse. It's simply the prophesying of Jesus. He never predicted a better world in this life. He never said that we were going to become more moral, more religious. Never. But it would wax worse and worse. We hear a lot about a virus today called AIDS that's taking the lives of many thousands of people over the world. The strange thing about this virus is that we have the capability to stamp it out of to own it. But there is a virus much worse than AIDS or any of the others that we might come across. Yes, and even much worse than cancer, it eats the lives of so many of our friends and loved ones, and that is the virus of sin. And the tragic thing of it is, like the virus of AIDS, our world does not want to stamp it out. We want to live in it until it destroys us. What are we as Christian people doing about it? Philosophers over the years have tried to make this world a better place in which to live. A philosopher by the name of Russell, however, commented this. He said, philosophy has proved to be a washout. If we're going to save the world, it's not going to be through philosophy. Then science comes along and science has a good idea. It can answer all of the riddles of the past from the creation, which, of course, it cannot, and predict all of the things in future as to how long the sun's going to last, before it burns out, and other such ridiculous predictions. Science has, in fact, given us a better way to live. We all came to church this morning in an automobile. That was certainly much better than coming to church the way our fathers came. But isn't it strange that there are fewer people in church today who have the convenience of the automobile than there were our forefathers' day when they walked and came on horseback. We have a better way of getting places, but we don't go to any better places. We have a better way of doing things, but we don't have any better things to do. Science has not solved the problems of the human race. How about education? As all well, let you know, I'm an educator, trained for that purpose. But the sad commentary upon education is that it has not even begun to address the issues of the decay of society, let alone find its answers. Because they are not found in the history books as much as they are found in the good old book that we call the Bible. And until mankind is willing to listen to God's written word, There is no amount of education or training that's going to bring one to a resolution as to the problems that he faces in his life. They're found in the teachings of the church. Right. We don't even believe that members of the church. Christian education ought to be the highest aim that we have in this world. We ought to be clamoring for more knowledge of God's word. And yet most of us haven't the slightest hint as to what's contained in this book. We don't know its subject because we don't know its author. So the Bible remains a mystery. And the, the problem of the world continue. And even we, the church, are having little impact, little influence upon society. The philosophers could not do it, science cannot do it, education cannot do it. There's only one thing left, and that is the church. And that's the purpose of Jesus in these words, saying to his people, the church, you, not education, not science, not philosophy, but you, the church, are the salt of the earth. You, the church, are the light of the world." But we don't believe that. who in believing. Back in 1959, a survey was taken in the United States to determine how many people go to church. In 1959, the survey said 59% of all people in the United States say they attend church. Fifteen years later, in 1984, just three years ago, a new survey was taken. This time, only 50% of the people Say they go to church. A drop of 9% in church attendance in 15 years. Give it another 15 years, and we're going to be down to nearly 40% of the people who go to church. And give another 15, you can see the rapid progression into eternity when this world of ours is going to be lost because the church does not believe that it's the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And yet this is God's plan. The church is supposed to influence the world. But I would suggest to you that the world has influenced the church. If that were not true, we wouldn't struggle for attendance. But the Senate would not have to comment upon we up from last Sunday in our attendance because the attendance will always grow and our churches will be full And we would be concerned about building bigger buildings to hold the numbers. But we're not going to be concerned about that. Because the church has not grasped the fact that it is important in the scheme of things as God has devised them. I'm going to make some of you maybe a little bit unhappy with this statement, but I'm going to make it. I think the reason that we, the church, are not the salt of the earth and the light of the world in the perspective that Jesus Christ wanted us to be is that we have a lost, unsaved, unregenerated membership. Now take that however you want. But listen, when this same 50% who say they belong or they go to church are compared with the people who belong to church, we find a higher percentage of church membership. The church membership does not attend its own church. This church membership does not attend this church. Why is it that God's people forsake God's house? Why is it that our churches go begging for attendance and for membership? It's because even those that are a part of the organization have not grasped the truth and the reality, but they're supposed to be influencing the world instead of the world influencing them. It's not only the unsaved that are the Saturday night drunks or whatever else one might use to use a general statement to indicate those who are out of the will of the Lord. Those within the church are not the salt and not the light because they have not seen the fact that Jesus Christ has commanded that we be such. He said, you are the salt of the earth. The light of the world, the word you in that case is plural. You, a collective body. Some years ago, there was a series of four photographs, four pictures. There were photographs, or pictures. painted pictures, I believe. The first picture that was published was simply of a wheat field, I suppose out in Kansas or Nebraska. Huge acre after acre after acre of wheat fields. That's all. Just a wheat field. The second picture showed a farmhouse in the middle of the wheat field. With a woman standing in the door, very distraught. And the reason that she was distraught was her three-year-old son had wandered away from the house and had gone out into the wheat field. And being a little short guy, he couldn't see home. And he was nasty. The third picture shows all the neighbors coming in from all the community roundabout, showed them joining hands, hundreds
0: of neighbors joined hands, and they made a hand-to-hand sweep
1: through what we of looking for that last little boy. The fourth picture showed the father holding to his breast the dead body of his son. the son. But underneath, that last picture was this caption, Oh God, if only we had joined hands here. This is what Jesus is saying to us as the church. It's only when we join together in the work of God, hand in hand, heart in heart, Voice with voice, in unison, we will go through the wheat fields of the world and we'll find the last, but hopefully before they're dead. There's a hymn that we sing, there's a song comes ringing o'er the restless waves, send the light, send the light. There are souls to rescue, there are souls to save, sing the light. Listen, I think we can also sing it. There's a call comes ringing on the restless way. Join the hands, join the hands. There are souls to rescue, there are souls to save, join the hands. We've done that. We'll start being the salt of the earth that influences this world and turns people, to the right, as the hymn sings. Let me close with this little statement. Story. guess I have to finish this sermon. a little time because I haven't done it yet. There was a Frenchman who was forced by some circumstances that I have now forgotten to spend the night with a Christian by the name of Fenelon. When morning came and the Frenchman was able to get away, he was heard to say, if I spend one more night with that man, I'll be a Christian in spite of myself. I believe that that is the expectation that Jesus Christ has of you and of me. That before somebody gets out of our presence, they will have become a Christian in spite of themselves. Because that's what he sent us in the world to do. To be the light that shines into the lives of other people—a reflection, if you will, as the moon is to the sun. So we are the Jesus Christ, but people ought to be able to see His reflection in our face, in our life, in our testimony. Does Jesus see? Or does the world see Jesus in us? There's a hymn that says, "Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me." Does the Lord see it? Are we the salt? Of the earth? You know how powerful salt is? One of the things it does is it retards corruptness. It retards things from being things. You well know if any of you have ever salted down a piece of pork. Do you realize that this world would have long since decayed into eternal damnation had it not been for the church. We have preserved this world to illustrate. The church will be taken out of the world at its rapture, which I believe is not too long yet in coming. The Lord is going to take all Christian people out of the world and take them with him to heaven. The world is going to be left without a Christian person or for a times. As soon as the church is taken out of the world, it takes this world exactly seven years to utterly destroy itself. Just seven years and it will be gone because the church is gone. As long as the church is here, the world will stay. But as soon as the church is gone, the world will be lost. Will the love of the world? Where do you go? Do you leave behind you? Goodness? Blessing? Or do you leave behind poison and death? We the church must draw people to Jesus. Christ, because leaving behind goodness, we lift him up with our arm into himself, so we pray?